and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. I'm Jill Cruz. Today, I had just a very interesting and meaningful and deep conversation with my friend, Anita Kopach. Anita is local to where I live, and she is an author, and uh, she wrote a book called Shallow Waters that I've read or listened to on Audible, and I love, 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 and I recommend it to you. She also has started a nonprofit organization called Zero F's Given, and that is an incredible organization that she's going to talk about uh, on the podcast. But we start off with talking about her experience with long-haul COVID. So not just people have experienced COVID in many different ways, but there are people who have not just getting sick for, you know, a day or a week or two weeks, but having the after effects of being, having things not going well in your body, feeling ill. Uh, She has a lot of episodes on an ongoing basis for months and months and months post COVID. So she talks about that and what she did, the incredible story of how she overcame that. Just beautiful, incredible stuff. And And I love the story because it really does I think uh, it it illustrates how holistic our health is. It's not just about what you eat. What you eat is important, but it's so much more than that. So that and more. Uh, Anita is a brilliant woman. She's very, uh, has a very spiritual approach to her writing and her work. And you are going to fall in love with her. Uh, I did. (laughs) So I think you will too. Enjoy. Hello, Anita. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Yes, yes. I'm super excited because I know we have lots of juicy things to talk about today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I, I know you expressed to me that you have experienced long-haul COVID, and this is not something I've talked about on the podcast before, so, and I think it's a really interesting and important topic. So tell me about your experience with that. Yeah, I I actually got excited when you were asking if there were any like health issues that I wanted to talk about, because I feel like there's not very many places to talk about it. And so many people don't know what it is. So I I got COVID in December of last year, Mm -hmm. uh, 2021. And the experience of having COVID, um, you know, like, it felt like a bad cold, right? Like that was kind of what that felt like. But then right when that was done, my body went into, um, I, I don't even know what it was called. I just kept calling them attacks because it would be, I would get vertigo, really intense vertigo, my body would go into um, inflammation, which I'd never felt inflammation in my life. So I didn't know what was happening. Bad headache. I'd get a rash and then completely exhausted. Like mm-hmm. I'd walk up my stairs to my room and have to lay on my bed. And this is coming from, I was so healthy. <laughs> like at least wow. I thought I was you know, like didn't feel like there was any issues in my life as far as health. And so I quickly realized that there were certain foods that would give me attacks, right? Mm. Felt, I guess it would felt, it felt to me that my body turned into um, how people say, 
you know, like Lyme or some sort of disease where it feels like I'm attacking myself. That's what Mm -hmm. it felt like. So I quickly realized that certain foods would make it worse because I would be like, well, why do I feel so bad, right? Like I literally would just have to lay down and that's all I could do. And so I'll be like, okay, what did I eat? I had some almonds. So like I had to like reevaluate my whole, I couldn't have almonds. I couldn't have gluten. I couldn't have red onions. I couldn't have tomatoes. I couldn't have, like, there was just so many things that I just couldn't have. Like, basically I felt like I could have white rice. Mm. (laughs) I could have white rice, avocado. I could have, it was just, it was intense. And I tried, I tried so many different things. I did acupuncture. I did, what did I do? I feel like I've put that, it was so traumatic that I've put a lot of it like out of my mind, but it was very intense. I didn't want to feel like I was complaining all the time, you know? So I didn't really tell people about it. I would just have my attack (laughs) in Mm -hmm. my house. And then when I'd feel better, then I'd go out and do what I needed to do. So now these attacks, did they happen every day or was it more kind of, yeah, every day? Okay. And so there was a clear line where you were like, um, I'm done with COVID or did it just kind of, okay. So you had this kind of cold and then these symptoms. And the day the cold kind of like went away, Mm -hmm. I had really intense vertigo. And I had to lay in the bed for almost two days. And I'm like, what is this? You know, like, why is this happening? And then eventually, you know, all of the other symptoms just came up. And so, uh, but the the vertigo was the first. And how long did this last? For um, six months. Wow. For six months. And what's really interesting, I'll say... <laughs> okay. So so one of the things that I do, I lead retreats in around mm-hmm. the world with this group of women called the Goddess Wisdom Council. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm a spiritual psychologist. I work with I concentrate on women who have experienced any forms of sexual trauma okay. and um helping them heal that. And so we had a retreat in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And basically, oh, Mexican food is my favorite food in the world. And there was nothing I could eat, right? Like you couldn't have corn, you know, and everything is made out of corn. Can't have gluten, can't have tomatoes, can't have onions, you know, like basically yeah. couldn't anything. So I packed my whole suitcase of like white rice. <laughs> <laughs> I knew they had avocados there, but I had a whole suitcase and, you know, I was going there and there's four of us. So mm-hmm. four women who, who lead the retreat. So before the retreat started, I had this breakdown. I just started crying. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could hold women who, you know, like just very intense. We work with people who have gone through very intense things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just can't do it. And all of a sudden, my friends, they just kept saying, you are healed you are healed. And I'm like, I am not healed, right? Like, (laughs) I I was fighting it because I'm like, you don't know. I have these, you know, attacks and I was fighting it. 
and mm-hmm. they just you are healed. And literally in the middle of the day, they'd be like, you are healed. And they just kept saying it. And I'm like, what mm-hmm. is going on? And I wasn't having any attacks. I was I was being very careful with what I ate though, right? Very careful. Cause I was like, I don't want to have an attack in Mexico. I didn't know what, you know, like I just didn't want to have an attack yeah. while I was there. We did, we did, you know, sweat lodges. We did um, a lot of clearing experiences. We did this beautiful cacao ceremony with um, a group of Aztec elders and like just so many healing ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, you are healed, you are healed. And on the last day, I was like, you know what? I'm having Mexican food. <laughs> I was like, I can't come to Mexico and not have Mexican food. Yeah. And I made myself this plate. Well, I was given this plate of the most amazing Mexican food. I ate it and I have not had an attack since that time. And that wow. was- that was in May. So from December to May. And so I I don't know, like to me, it felt miraculous. Yeah. And then it also felt like so important to surround yourself with people who see the possibility of healing, even if I don't. I thought <sighs> I was going to have this for the rest of my life. I thought I just was going to live like that. That's what I thought. But they were like, oh, no, you are healed. <laughs> Can't wait, wait. Can you say that again? Because that applies to everything in life. And I just think it's so, so, I mean, essentially what you're saying is surround yourself with people who believe in you and believe in possibility. But I want you to say it again because yes. you experience this. That is exactly what I'm saying. Because like surrounding ourselves with people who believe in us, especially when we can't believe in ourselves, right? Yeah. Because when they were when they were saying it, I was I was fighting it because mm-hmm. I was holding on to my pain and my suffering and all of that and it was really it was really intense. Yeah. And I don't think that I would be in the same place if I didn't have that experience. It doesn't wow. seem like it really feels like it was miraculous. And yeah. uh, what that experience has, has done for me, because, you know, the major things I feel have healed, there's like a little tiny bit of, because there was a strange thing that would happen during the attacks where it felt like my joints were coming apart. I know that mm-hmm. sounds horrible. As oh, I'm no, no. I, I had COVID. There was weird shit that went on. Let me tell you, I was like, this is not natural. It was no. weird. So I yeah. feel you. I feel you. Yeah. And so that sometimes I feel like a little bit like my joints feel loose a little mm-hmm. bit once mm-hmm. in a while. None of the other things are happening anymore. So I do feel like I'm still like healing and being very aware of what I'm eating. Um, it feels like nutrition is huge. Mm-hmm. It, it always is huge, but it feels on a whole other level huge with the healing. Yeah. Do you think it's interesting because I felt like COVID was like a, I've, oh God, I'm going to get it wrong. But you know, when the, when the moth or goes, the caterpillar goes into the 
chrysalis and then yeah. yeah and then right and then and then comes out as a butterfly well I, I don't know if I would explain it exactly like that but I felt like I felt like I was sort of rebirthed after I got over COVID it felt like I was shedding something and it, I'm just wondering like if you had any uh, experiences like that and I also felt because I, I had COVID twice once in December Mm-hmm. And then it took me about a month to fully recover. And then I had it again in July. And in July, I was like you, I, I was sick for like, I had a fever for like one night. And then the next day I was fine. But then I had fatigue for about six weeks. And I almost started to feel like my identity was changing because like you, I was, I, I'm so healthy, but who am I now? Who am I? Who is this person? And so I don't know if, if any of that resonates with your experience, but that was sort of what happened with me. <laughs> all of it. All of it resonates. I, I mean, especially when you were saying that just almost like how the COVID didn't feel natural, right? Like whatever mm-hmm. that was, that experience. But then I feel like it altered things inside of me so that when I came out, which it took me a long time to come out yeah. of that chrysalis for me, right? Yeah. But I feel like a different person. And, yeah. you know, I, I would say like, it almost felt like there was a relationship, like I could see COVID, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, I see how you're taking people's lives, right? Like, yeah. what are you? <laughs> what are you? But I feel like that experience of like the chrysalis and coming out feeling different mm-hmm. is so true. And to me, I do love discovering myself, right? And just like like being on this constant journey of discovering because there's so much change always. Yeah. And so that's kind of exciting too. <laughs> like, yes. Like yeah. rediscover who I am. Um, one of the other things that it felt like it did I feel like I aged like 20 years, like in a weird way, it feels like there was like this aging process that happened in, but since I've been doing the healing, since I've been healing, it feels like that's reversing, Okay, but it was, it was very intense feeling of, oh my gosh, I, I went from like this young, vibrant being into like decrepit, old, tired, you know, like. Not that, because I'm, I'm very excited to become an elder, but it's just not that quite, quite that time yet. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you could be an elder and not feel decrepit too, right? Right? Like, exactly. <laughs> but I was like, no, this is not, I was feeling decrepit like right now. <laughs> yeah. Delete. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> so yeah, that and that's I think I love that we had this talk because I've I've read here and there about um long haul COVID and like you said, I don't think a lot of people are aware of it, or it's as usual being dismissed by the, you know, medical system. And uh, yeah. also I wanna bring up I've been reading this book called Rage Becomes Her. Ooh. Have you read that book? No. I know. Don't you just love the title already? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I highly recommend this book. It's fast paced. I've, well, I'm listening to it. Maybe reading it would be better or, or listening again. But she's talking about how our society has basically 
deemed to us and, and more to white women and Asian women. I think she's mostly looking at United States data mm-hmm. and less so to black women, which is interesting. I mean, the, the imposition is still there, but mm-hmm. culturally white American culture or Asian American culture, anger in a woman is seen as ugly unattractive and, you know, just, it's not, you're not going to get far in life if you do that. And whereas black women have been more empowered culturally in the United States to, to express their anger. And which I think is a, is a positive thing, but now we have the, you know, angry black woman thing that that's, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's complicated, but in any case, uh, it's a good book and I recommend it because she has a lot of data. It's a very well-researched book and we have been taught to minimize our anger, but we've also been taught to minimize our pain. Yeah. Which is interesting because you said you didn't want to complain. And I think that's something we've been taught is like, you know, we have to suck it up. Like we have, we give birth and, you know, women are strong. And so that's also a very interesting thing. And it has influenced our medical system. So I just wanted to point that out about when you were saying you didn't want to complain, but I think that book is very interesting. I would recommend it. And also I I think that, well, I don't think I know. I've actually had guests on the podcast who are in the medical system who have talked about medical gaslighting and how, Mm -hmm. you know, the voices of women are minimized, diminished, and and a lot of research on medications and and, uh, illnesses have, have been done mostly on men, not on women. You know, it's, it's messed up. Let's just put it that way. Really? And I think we could just add long haul COVID to the list, like chronic Lyme syndrome, where there's yeah. this condition that's real and people are just, you know, like, oh, well, you, you're just, you, you know, you're probably just nuts. And yeah. <laughs> that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like for sure. A lot of the things I was feeling was what I read Lyme patients feel, right? And go through. I did talk to one, I mean, I, I was working with a doctor and one of the things she said that COVID has done, but, you know, obviously this is, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm like just saying what, yeah. what she said is that if there are any um, latent diseases that are in your mm-hmm. body, if you have COVID, it can wake them up. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so it is possible. I didn't test to see if I had Lyme, but it is possible that I per- perhaps had something like that in my system. Yeah. yeah. And they say that about Lyme too, right? Like if you have chronic Lyme, usually it's, you know, someone had had Epstein-Barr or the, not smallpox, I guess it's chicken varicella virus. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's a thing that, that I've seen. I've actually seen it in lab work because I worked uh, with a functional medicine doctor in, in Ray Heron Valley Cottage actually for six years. So I want to segue because I think we've explored that and, I, and I'm so happy that we talked about it. And, you know, if someone is listening and you have that, like, it's real, it's real, <laughs> you're not making it up. And there are doctors out there who are paying attention to this, which is wonderful, but usually not the mainstream ones. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I also really, really want to talk about two things. Number one, zero F's given. which is your nonprofit organization. But I also want to talk about the book. So I'll start with the book because I know more, I know about the book and I don't know about your nonprofit. The book is called Shallow Waters and it is a, I I listened to an audible, which was read by your sister, right? 
yes. <laughs> which I thought was just, that's so cool. And um, I absolutely loved the book. And we were talking earlier about how it's, you know, it, there's a, I guess you could call it historical fiction. I don't know what the exact genre is, yes. but there's definitely historical, you know, things to learn about our history in the book, but it is, and it's a very difficult time, uh, slavery, a horrible, disgusting time in our history that, but we still need to learn about it because we never really, I think as, you know, being a white woman living in the United States, I don't think, I, I, as a matter of fact, my, in my 11th grade teacher, he it was American history. Do you want to hear how fucked up this is? This guy, white man, there was, you know, there were, there, I'd probably say maybe a third of the kids in my class were, were young black students. Mm-hmm. And he, to teach us about slavery, he impersonated a slave owner. No. Yes. No. Southern accent and everything. And I remember thinking, oh. stop, no. stop, this is wrong. This is wrong. Oh. And he was defending slavery. Oh. Yeah. I want to say this is 1986, seven. It is. Oh, God. And and so, like, this is the example of how children are learning about this part of our history. So anyway, I, I don't want to go off on too much of a rampage about that, but I appreciated the historical uh, aspect of it. It's mm-hmm. important for us to learn that in a, in a way that's... I don't know if realistic is the right, I guess realistic maybe is the word I want to use, but it, but it was also very hopeful and it was a beautiful love story as well. And so I just, I really enjoyed listening to it. And I don't know, I would love to hear anything you'd like to say about the book. <laughs> like what, yeah. what inspired you to write it and talk about yeah. Yemeya because, <laughs> you know, the, the central so, character. Um, what's really interesting. So to me, what's really interesting is that Yemeya, so she is an Orisha, which is almost like a goddess. We wouldn't quite say a goddess because there is it is it, there is one god within that that religion, and then there's all these Orishas who represent different things in nature. So Yemeya represents the ocean, right? Okay, and this is within the um, Ifa tradition in um, Nigeria for mm-hmm. the Yoruba. And one thing that is really interesting about the sons and daughters of the diaspora, so the African peoples who were taken by the slave ships and brought to the different places within the Americas and the Caribbean, is that we do not learn about our myths, our histories, our original religions because they are deemed to be demonic. So Mm -hmm. if you can even think of like voodoo, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if when you, when someone says voodoo, you know, like people are like, Ooh, you know, like get scared or what's demonic, but it's, it's all a part of, you know, like, it's like learning about the, the Greek gods and goddesses, the, you know, like it's very similar to that. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do was open up this passageway that felt safe for us to learn about it so that it's not like, oh, you know, uh, Yemeya is a demon, right? Like, what? Like, how is she a demon? You know, like, it's yeah. just, she's a goddess. 
And so that was one of the most important things for me is to get people curious about who is Yemeya. She's a black mermaid. One of the first stories of a mermaid ever in existence, the oldest written record of Yemeya is in the 1500s, 1500s, 1600s. But before that, it was all passed down orally. So nobody really Mm -hmm. knows how old the stories and the parables are. And so that was one of my things for sure, was to bring this goddess about. It's I, I often say my book is a love letter to uh, Black women so that we can feel like the love of, of Yemeya holding us as, we, as our ancestors went over the Middle Passage. And so that was one of my biggest things for, for Yemeya. And then also I wanted, like you said, how people are teaching about slavery. For me, when I was in school and I learned about slavery, it was all of a sudden like, I'm not good enough. Like, I just was like, oh, and then, you know, all it it was as if they went from slavery to civil rights to, you know, like, like. Jim Crow, like all of it in one thing. And it's like, oh my God, I'm two thirds of a person. I'm did it, you know, like just everything all at once. And I'm sitting there like, oh, (laughs) right. Like this is what's going on. And so I wanted a way, I originally wrote it for young adult, which they, that my publishers are like, don't say that. Because when they read it, they're like, this is for adults and they could pass it on to their kids. They're like, adults need to read this. And so, you know, they made it an adult book, but I mm-hmm. had originally wrote it for like high school students and for, oh, for young adults, you know, to learn about this time in an empowering way, because all of the, even if you think of the, um, the characters within there that were helping Yemeya, they're all historical characters that did these things right. in real life, yes. right? And so it's it's some very deep allies, right? Like, because mm-hmm. if you're doing this back in that day, that means, you know, you can be put to death. And your whole family. And your whole family, Yes. And so I won't give away things in the story, but (laughs) (laughs) the people that that are in here risk their life to help people to freedom, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like also the the, um, Native American historical aspect that's brought into it as well. That was interesting for me the dynamics there. And yeah, that was really good. And and I feel like uh, as you were talking about high school students, I was thinking, gosh, this would be a really good book for a high school history class to be read and then, and then discussed, you and know, can we, can we talk about this? And yeah. there's so much, I mean, it's a great book club book, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or, you know, great for discussion and, um, yeah, that's that's wonderful. I, I love and that. I would love for it to be if if anyone in the Nyack <laughs> school district is listening, I'd love for it to be in the curriculum. This would be um yeah. really special book. Yeah. Um yes, local woman writes it. That's also very inspiring yeah. for our, our girls and 
If anybody would do it in this county, it would be Nyack. <laughs> we know right. that. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it would be Nyack. <laughs> well, we really need it in the other schools as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, that would be great. So let's let's like let's make that happen. Do you, you have friends it. there? Yeah, let's just make that happen. Yeah. Oh, I would love for that to happen. And school board, and I've talked to them. But then mm-hmm. the person who was supposed to do it, she had to, she had to leave. I think there's some sort of health things, but, um, oh. so I have to, I have to do it again and see if somebody took her place or, cause I had given them the book and everything and it was in the process, but then she had to leave. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, if I can help in any way, I mean that I was just at an event last weekend, uh, Hope Wade had, I don't know if you know who Hope Wade is, but she's a local mm-hmm. uh, woman designer and she ha- she actually started Rotham Fashion Week. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah. I was sitting, there was like a, a pre-game kind of thing, like a VIP little gathering. And I was sitting at the table with the, the, the principal of Nyack High School and then one of the guidance counselors. And then Donzella is a, uh, she's a social worker who comes in and helps the kids. So yeah, I don't know if those are the people to talk to though, but uh, <laughs> I certainly would have told them if I had known. <laughs> And so we, I don't want to take too much more time, but I do want to hear about zero F's given. Oh, yes. I, I, that just is like, I want that. I want one of those sweatshirts. Do you sell those? <laughs> yes, yes. So that's a part of it. So zero F's given. Well, I was, um, I'm a thriving survivor of, of sexual uh, abuse. I was molested when I was seven years old. And so what Zero F's Given is, is every year on 11-11, it's a day of literally that, giving zero F's of sexual abstinence in Uh honor of anyone who has ever experienced any form of sexual violence. And so um, what I do, you know, the, the retreats that I do, the workshops that I do that are dedicated to people who are healing from um, forms of sexual violence, Uh you know, with the money that I raise with zero F's given, I use that to bring people to the retreats who wouldn't be able to, to uh, afford it in any other way. So Uh as to me, you know, I actually wrote down at some point how much money I have spent in order to heal myself. And it was, ridiculous. It was like close, like 700, like it was, it was ridiculous. The amount that I've spent since my twenties up until now of just healing. Right. It was ridiculous. And I was like, well, what, what does someone do who, who doesn't have that? Yeah. And then, you know, also thinking about like the things that are, are available for free healing. It's like, sitting around, uh, you know, in a concrete circle, you mm-hmm. know, talk, I mean, which does help. It does help to talk, sure. but it's also only gets you to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, when you, when you bring yourself to a retreat and it's dedicated to that and all of your other needs are met, you're eating healthy, you're in a beautiful space, you're in all of these things. And then all you have to worry about or you don't even have to worry about it. All you have to do is be there, you know, mm-hmm. for the healing, which already is one of the scariest things to do because yeah. 
Um, you know, when you do decide to dive into your healing, your body feels like you're going through the trauma again. So yeah. that's why it's so scary for so many people because it's like mm-hmm. you think you're going through it again. Yeah. And um, and so uh, and and also for me, it's for um, women of color because when I was doing all of my my retreats and things before, like going to them for my own healing, mm-hmm. I would be the only black woman there. Yeah. And I'm like, well, where is the space? Yeah. You know, for, yeah. for black women and women of color, not just black women, women of color. Yeah. And and so that was also a part of it, like creating a space for people of color to feel that they have a safe place to heal. Yeah. So that's Zeref's given. So I actually I love it. Um, I just uh partnered with with Sniff a Pickle. So oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, there. yeah. And um, so I was doing my sweatshirts with someone else before. And then I'm like, wow, I could do them, you know, like locally with people who I love, you know. And so we just on this 1111, just a couple of days ago, we released it. So if you like Google Zero F's Given and Sniff a Pickle, you'll find my page. I don't know exactly right now what the page is, but I can give it to you. Mm -hmm. And there's all of these, there's Zero F's Given water bottles sweatshirts and a lot of the money as well goes to uh, center for safety and change. Okay. Right. Specifically to help women of color who are, are healing through these things. So. Right. Right. And center for safety and change is just say it. So, cause you'll say yes. it better than I will. <laughs> the center for safety and change is Rockland's only nonprofit that helps people. And um, it's a lot of women, but it's for everyone who have gone through any forms of criminal activity, right? So that could be rape, that can be um, domestic violence, that can be trafficking, you know, mm-hmm. even when there was, it was, there was like some anti-Semitic crimes that were mm-hmm. going on. Was that last year or the year before? The Center for Safety and Change were the ones that were helping with that. Mm-hmm. So they help with so many different things. They also have a safe house for people who are going through domestic violence issues. And they have... They have lawyers. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, a, a lot of times people who are experiencing that don't necessarily have the best lawyers and, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be fighting someone who's ha- who has really good lawyers. So what, what the center wanted to do was make sure that it was an even fight. That right. They have really amazing lawyers. Um, we're, we're creating a fourth floor right now that's dedicated yes. to children. And so that's it's wonderful. a beautiful floor that is, you know, the children who are going through some children are kids who have, you know, experienced like domestic violence, but some of them have actually been trafficked. Mm-hmm. I know in 2020, our youngest victim was seven years old yeah. in Rockland County. Yeah, it's it's shocking. And it's it's everywhere. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's everywhere, but it's much more prevalent than anybody. I actually know someone who, who is someone's family whose wow. children were trafficked. It, it, you would think that it's like happening somewhere else, but it's not. It's, it's, exactly. it's all around us. And yeah. it's, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. I, I want to just say that I think the sweatshirt looks really cute too. Like I want one just to wear it. And I love the fact that, you know, if for anybody listening, like just go and we're going to put the, the link in the show notes for zero oh. F's given so people can find it. But yeah, buy a sweatshirt and support this 
just such an important cause. It affects all of us. You know, if you have to spend $700,000 to heal and there's so many people out there who cannot afford to, to spend anything, that's affecting our entire world. I don't care who you are, how rich you are, how educated you are, it's affecting you. And so yeah. is slavery. And so is yeah. racism. It's affecting all of us all the time. We just pretend that it isn't. And, and exactly. so we all need to like, we have to be the, cha- you know, do things like not just sit there and complain about it. And this yeah. is one, one simple, easy way to, to do that. And so yeah. thank you for that opportunity. And also 1111, zero F's given. We just missed it. But I've actually heard about your organization from in the past, now that I'm thinking about it, I think in NIAC. Yeah. But yeah, the girls, you know, we got to get the girls to, <laughs> I don't know, I have two daughters and I'm yeah. 17 and 20. And I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. you they know, <laughs> yes, they would love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this, Anita, thank you so much. This has been wonderful and I could keep going, but I think this is good and, and maybe we can do another podcast episode in the future. I would love it. Yeah, this yeah. So thank you so much for your your vulnerability and talking about yourself and sharing your story. I mean, sharing your book with, you know, your passion in your book and also about the long haul COVID stuff, which is very... Again, stuff that people are not aware of, so I, as much as they should be, I think. This has been wow, fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> so, what did you think? Was that incredible or what? I just, I love, love, love talking to Anita. She's, she's a beautiful, beautiful person. So Anita is, as I, as we talked about, she is an author of the book Shallow Waters, uh, which is, as she describes, a love letter to black women. I'm not a black woman, but I felt like it was a love letter in general, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's a beautiful story. So I recommend you check that out. Also, a she's a, an award-winning writer, a spiritual advisor, and she is former editor-in-chief of Heart and Soul magazine. The other cool thing is we talked about on the podcast, she created this nonprofit organization due to her uh, history as a thriving survivor of sexual abuse. So she created the organization to raise awareness and help victimized and disenfranchised populations to heal from trauma, find their voice, and reclaim their power. And what they do is, um, it's one day a year, it's a day of abstinence in honor of all of the people who couldn't say no. So you can check that out. The, the links for the book page, the website, where you can purchase the book, and also zerofsgiven.online where you can learn more about the nonprofit organization. Those are in the show notes. So check those out. And as I mentioned in the podcast, I think these are incredibly important uh, causes to support. And check us out too. We're winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N weightloss.com. And we are uh, dedicated to helping women to lose weight in a healthy sustainable and most importantly joyous manner we believe that it does not have to be this miserable journey to lose weight it can be joyous it can be a a path to a better life overall as opposed to most dieting which is a path to 
less good life, I believe. So we really take that approach that we want you to enjoy the process and be you know, reaching your goals and also honoring who you are, what's important to you, learning and growing along the way. So I think that's pretty cool stuff and, and I love what I do. And this podcast is all about empowering women. So totally aligned with what we do in Work With Your Nature Weight Loss. That's winweightloss.com, W-Y-N weightloss.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.